0: The building is a converted church, but church did not stray far away from the way to describe this place. It is now referred to as the Mother Church of Country Music, and it's earned that name very, very well. The Sunday Morning folks recently had a piece about the Raymond Auditorium which is a hallowed ground, of course, for country fans. We're going to take a look, thanks to the Sunday morning folks, inside the Raymond Auditorium. And and for our other story this evening, the new host of Sunday morning gets personal. I'll explain as we go along. Raymond Auditorium first on the other side of this break. The New Directions podcast has a Facebook page and I invite you the next time you're on Facebook to make your way to this web address, which is facebook.com slash rkc70. That is the quick link to get to the podcast page. You'll see stories that I have talked about in the past. You'll see stories that I will be talking about in the very near future or at least plan on talking about. And you'll see some items that I just thought belonged on the page. I have a combination of things, and I hope you find it entertaining when you do decide to visit the New Directions podcast Facebook page. Once again, the link is this, facebook.com rkc70. Check it out. You'll be very glad that you did. A look inside the Raymond Auditorium. Jane Pauley of Sunday morning Morning will set this up for us. I fell into a
1: burning ring of fire. I went down, down, down
2: as the flames went higher and it burns,
3: What would America be without country music? And what would country music be without the theater that made the Grand Ole Opry an American treasure? Mark Strassman is in Nashville. Okay, folks, you have tickets for the tour. Go ahead, put your mask on.
4: COVID is a crisis, and in a crisis, people need faith. Thank you all for being here. We're officially open back up after three months, and we're excited to have you. Back in June, Nashville's Ryman Auditorium began ministering again. Morgan Carter drove 10 hours from Lawrenceville, Kansas.
5: This is the Mother Church. Everybody's welcome here. It's, it's pretty special to be here. Step
4: inside. The stage is comically small. The venue only holds roughly 2,300 people. They sit in pews, which are not comfortable.
3: And yet... I've played on this stage with Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and Keith Richards.
4: We talked to singer-songwriter Cheryl Crowe back before anyone knew a pandemic was coming.
5: I believe the wood in this room holds, every moment of history it has endured.
3: And when you walk out on this stage and these old planks that have been tread by so many important people in our history and in our evolution, um, you feel it.
4: Pro says she has played here more than a dozen times. I'm
3: out to keep me good. It's like your first date. You know, it's like,
5: ugh, it's scary. But then it's like, oh, this is amazing. Or awful. But, um...
4: Depending on the depending
5: date. Depending on, yeah,
4: exactly. The Ryman's history bears witness. I've always felt the spiritual nature of this place. Last September, before social distancing, Ketch Secor gave us a world-class Ryman tour. He fronts the Old Crow Medicine Show, which has played here a bunch. This is my most treasured locale to make music. Because? It's a resonant chamber. Listen. It's like you're inside of a violin here at the Ryman Auditorium. Like, peer into the F-holes. That's what the Ryman looks like, if you could, like, crack the ceiling open and look down. And look back more than a century. The Union Gospel Tabernacle, uh, built by divine decree by a steamboat captain who had fallen into sin and licentiousness. Captain Thomas Ryman found the Lord. He built a tabernacle in 1892 to save souls. It became the Ryman. Early performers included John Philip Sousa's Peerless Band, Enrique Caruso, Marion Anderson, Teddy Roosevelt, Helen Keller, and Charlie Chaplin all spoke here. But 1943 was the game changer. The Grand Ole Opry moved here. Every week, country legends perform live on WSM radio.
3: Brother ain't got the smallpox. We've just been trying to learn him to eat with a fork.
4: Minnie Pearl, Bill Monroe, Hank Williams. In here was the greatest entertainment value. And they bought popcorn for for a nickel, and they sat here, and they were mesmerized. The Ryman was transformative for the Grand Ole Opry, and the Grand Ole Opry was transformative for the rhyme. They worked together. A song can work for a singer, but a singer can work for a song. I fell into a burning ring of fire. In 1956, Johnny Cash joined the Opry. He met his wife, June Carter, backstage. Other legends include Patsy Cline,
1: I'm crazy for trying.
4: Charlie Pride, That's someday time will dry. and Loretta Lynn. Mommy
1: the that night. But by
3: 1973,
4: both Nashville and the Ryman were in decline. The Opry moved across the river. The Cashes sang The closer. For 20 years, the Ryman sat dark and crumbling. Nashville considered tearing it down. Country stars Emmylou Harris and Marty Stewart led the fight to save it. The Ryman was, you know, the ultimate place if you had country music in your heart. It was an absolute threat of uh, to be torn down at one point. Some of us going to get a little pleased. Don't In 1994, the renovated Ryman reopened, reborn. Country music made it famous, but Dylan played here. Springsteen, too. And last year, Wu-Tang Clan became the Ryman's first hip hop headliner.
3: They sit and they listen. They stand and they stomp their feet. And they feel the physical part of music in this room, the part of music that changes the molecules.
4: So the energy goes both ways.
3: The energy definitely goes both ways. I think people who come in this room know that they're going to be a part of something that is bigger than just them. They come
4: to the Ryman for moments that feel this intimate. We'll rise. We will rise together. On Friday, the Ryman live streamed an empty house concert by For King and Country, a Christian pop duo. One day, when COVID goes away, the Ryman's live acts will return. Fans will re experience a connection that's physical, emotional, and yes, spiritual. It's like there's a fifth beetle.
0: <laughs>
4: and the fifth beetle is the fact that everyone is watching us and experiencing us coming together to unshoulder a little bit of a burden and feel a little bit freer when they walk out of this place. If the future could
3: be that simple for the Ryman Auditorium, then that's the kind of America I want to see. I get a little bit closer to feeling fine.
0: The closeness is there at the Ryman Auditorium. In a future edition of the show, I'm going to use a Get Us Out of Here To that, that was recorded at the Ryman a few years back. I have another one lined up for tonight and, of course, another one for the end of the week. But I want to kind of give you an impression about what it was like for other people to perform there. So look for that prob- excuse me, probably early next week. Right here on the podcast. On the other side of this break, it isn't very often that you see people open up a bit and talk about certain things. But in another Sunday morning show, Jane Pauley did just that, and I learned some things about her from this particular from from this particular piece that she did that I wasn't even aware of. And quite honestly, I'm surprised at it too. Jane Pauling Unscripted, next. Ours is a strength like no other. Born of grit, determination, endless resilience. It's a physical, mental, emotional strength. It's about character, purpose, possibility. But one thing is perfectly clear they're strong. Then, there's Kansas City Strong. For more than 180 years, Kansas City has faced countless challenges and powered through each to embrace a brighter day. Across our city and in every corner of our community, you are coming together by staying apart, showing your strength and solitude. Now is the time to dig in and do what's necessary. Today, Kansas City strong is our battle cry. Show us your strength, Kansas City. They're strong. Then there's Kansas City Strong. Visit us online at k- kansascitystrong.org. One day when I was a liturgist for a former pastor in Shawnee, he mentioned something during a message that he preached that caught me off guard. I won't get into what it is, but that is the kind of thing that has happened quite a bit, I know, when you hear certain things about certain people. And I heard something recently that I think Jane Pauley was saying, I'm gonna play this piece right now, that kind of caught me off guard as well. With that in mind, this was from last Sunday's edition of the show, and I'll just turn it over to Jane right now and she'll say it it for us. Jane, take it away.
3: And now I'd like to take a moment to share something that's been on my mind lately. 20 years ago this summer, I was on the cusp of the biggest medical crisis of my life. It came as a big surprise. No, not the fact of a medical crisis, I knew I wasn't immune from life. Everybody gets something. The surprise was what it turned out to be. If there had been any history of mental illness in my family, no one ever talked about it. That summer, 20 years ago, I was being treated, no kidding, for hives when a first low-grade depression was observed. I've written about the connection in a memoir I subtitled, A Life Out of the Blue, because a lot like this pandemic, it arrived out of the blue. I didn't see it coming. My own doctor was visibly surprised months later when he realized the patient he knew, both from our visits and from TV, was suffering bipolar depression. So when former first lady Michelle Obama recently described not feeling so good and then added the phrase low grade depression, of course I knew what she was talking about. Apparently a lot of us did. Some are people like me who might have a pre-existing medical vulnerability. Many more have been taxed to the limit by lockdown stress, family tensions, job loss and everything else and then of course the virus. I don't give medical advice except to say the last person you should consult is a celebrity. But for years a lot of people have turned to me first. I've conducted a lot of talk therapy on the street or the aisles of department stores or outside a hair salon where a woman once followed me out of the door. Our sidewalk conversation began Should I get a haircut? I can't decide. I knew we were headed somewhere else, and sure enough, she said, I can't make decisions anymore. I think I might have what you have. Countless worried people have told me stories they'd never told anyone before. This is what I know. Depression is a treatable medical condition, and talking about it doesn't make it go away but it can be a big step forward. There's an important new conversation underway. Not everyone will be ready to join in. But for the many Americans who have suffered silently in isolation, listening is a very good start.
0: Roughly 1 in 12 American adults reported symptoms of an anxiety disorder at this time last year that has risen to more than one in three today. A recent Kaiser Family Foundation poll reports that for the first time a majority of American adults believes the pandemic is taking a toll on mental health. Do we have any more here guys? We do. And a just-released report from the CDC indicates 11% of Americans seriously considered suicide in June. That's double the percentage from 2018. Rates were highest among those 18 to 24 years old and unpaid caregivers for adults. It surprises me a great deal that someone like Jane Pauley has gone through something like this. Maybe in a way it hasn't, because apparently things have not always been very easy for anybody. And I think mentally it has been hard for people to go through What we've been going through in the middle of this pandemic. It has not been easy for anybody. I wanted to end this segment. And I'm in the process of trying to find the right place to do it. And I think I'm just going to do it this way. Fox 4 has a You Matter. And they established this after, unfortunately, the suicide of former meteorologist Don Harmon, but they believe, and I agree, you matter, and this is their initiative to help people realize things are still good. Guys, take it away. There are YouTube links that you can go to for this. It is their initiative. And they're basically showing pictures of this. Let's see if I can find something else here. What I'm trying to find, here we go. They have resources, they have coping, they have everything imaginable. I'm going to try, and we're going to do this right now, to go to getting the help you need. And I'm hoping to be able to find that. Just a second. I'm on Fox 4's website, Coping with the Coronavirus Crisis. And I'm hoping to have some audio to share with you, and it looks to me like I am. We'll just do it this way. Let the folks in the newsroom have it. Take it away, guys.
1: Century Roofing.
0: That is after the commercial. I have a few, mo- few seconds to do this. If it can happen to Jane Pauly, guys, it can happen to anybody. No question about it. And, and here we go. They're loading it up. This is from the Fox 4 newsroom. Hopefully. Here we go.
4: You're watching You Matter, Coping with Coronavirus. Brought to you by Sunflower Wellness Retreat and the Kansas City Center for Anxiety Treatment. And welcome to our Fox 4 special, You Matter, Coping with Coronavirus. No doubt the COVID-19 pandemic has made a big impact on all of us in the past few weeks.
5: Our goal in the next 30 minutes is to let you know that you are not alone. If you're feeling anxious, overwhelmed, worried about the health of you and your family, there is hope and help.
4: We've tapped into some of Kansas City's best experts on mental health and wellness. Strategies to help you manage that extra stress, whether it's the first time you've felt this way or perhaps you're worried about a loved one.
3: To kick things off, here's Nick Bassos. Anxiety from
4: COVID-19 can take an emotional toll, but you're not powerless. Joining us
0: with some helpful ideas during this stressful time is Dr. Katie Kriegshauser. is the director for the Kansas City Center for Anxiety Treatment. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Uh,
5: It seems like
0: an obvious question, but why are we anxious? It may seem obvious, but it's a great question right now
5: that I'm getting a lot. We're really dealing with high levels of uncertainty right now. A lot feels up in the air. Timelines, work, finances, school, and uncertainty really spurs quite a bit of anxiety. So we're all feeling on edge right now. And really, anxiety is a helpful signal. Our brain sends us the signal saying that something is off, that something might be threatening, and it's really a call to action to do something to make sure that we're safe and that we're okay. Luckily, we do have guidance right now on what we do need to be doing to stay and local authorities such as staying at home, social distancing, and increased uh, hand hygiene at this point. Anxiety. So first of all, I would say follow the guidelines that we have, but don't overdo it. Stick with what we know um, that we need to do from the CDC or the World Health health Organization, Um, but we don't wanna go overboard. That can actually increase our levels of anxiety. Um, Secondly, I would say we need to make sure that even though we're in this uh, uncertain or ambiguous time, a lot of people might be off work or doing online school, it's important to keep a structure to our days. It it gives us a sense of normalcy, so look out for things like our sleep schedule, making sure we're getting regular exercise, um, and then importantly, staying connected with others. We're social creatures. It's important that we, uh, in order to stay well, that we maintain our social connections, even though we may be doing that somewhat differently right now. Um, and then also be very mindful about how we're consuming the information that we're getting. Um, right now, there's a lot of information available to us, and information overload can really just increase our anxiety. So I encourage folks to be uh, mindful and say, I'm going to set limits on how often I'm going to watch the news, um, look at social media, read articles about this so we don't go into op- information overload. So um, so Dr. Kriegsauer, how do we
0: know when we're crossing the line and we need some strategies to cope versus when we need professional help?
5: Great question. So actually right now the same criteria would apply that they would any other time that we would look out for um, the following. So if you're having trouble meeting your daily expectations, so um, meeting work expectations, um, daily household expectations, that's a time where I might reach out for professional assistance. Or if you're really starting to feel very isolated from others or your relationships are suffering. And then finally, if overall you're just feeling like, I can't handle this level of distress on my own, And luckily, there are very effective treatments for anxiety and related disorders. So cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, is our first-line intervention. Um, It's fast. It's effective. It is helpful for all ages and not just for anxiety, also for depression, insomnia, and other related health challenges people might be having at this time.
1: All right.
4: Dr. Katie Kriegshauser, thanks for
1: your time. Appreciate it.
5: Thank you.
0: We'll stop at that point. It is not easy to cope with something like this. But just keep in mind, my friends, that people are are out there and they're going to do what they can to make absolutely sure we're safe and we're sound. It would be nice if somehow, some way, we would find a way to solve this and find the vaccine, whatever the heck we had to do to make this work Jane Pauley wow what you have gone through I really believe my gosh you've gone through quite a bit I know well we're going to throw an extra song in and look ahead to the end of the week here on the New Directions podcast next
2: As the moonless night's
0: There was a line in the play Les Miserables, published originally in 1862, that had these words, Even the darkest night will end, and the sun will rise. Eternal God, help us to hold on to this truth. Help us to exercise our faith to make this promise a reality. Even the darkest night will end and the sun will rise. Looking ahead to tomorrow's edition of our final one of the week here on the New Directions podcast. I have been chasing a dream to be a minister. Something happened that was very special this week. That is opening an opportunity to do just that. And I would like to share that with you. I'm going to take a good part of the first segment of the show tomorrow to talk about this. I'm finally having a chance to realize a dream. And I could not be happier. I will share with you the entire details about this tomorrow night right here on the New Directions podcast. Moving to final thoughts. I'm looking for something that I may or may not have used before to share with you. And I think I'm going to go ahead and do that. Don't, well, I have not done this part. I'll do it here. This is from Charlie Daniels' book, Let's Make Let's all make the day count. Don't let your commitment overload your ability. There's nothing wrong when, with admitting when you reach your limit. And my friends, let's do make this day count. With that, that's going to wind things up for this edition of the New Directions podcast. Thank you for being with me as always. We will, I will see you tomorrow night for a very personal show. Until then... Bobby Bear, I haven't heard you sing this song in a long time, my friend. Get us out of here with Marie Laveau, would you? At least do that in about six, three, four, three, two, one. Mr. Bear, do your work.
3: Yes, sir.
1: i